0: What's good everyone and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host Brandon Rowicki. Well how about that to close out the work week. The Jets kick off their road trip with a massive W. The Masters are underway at Augusta and Corey Perry was seconds away from getting his face caved in by everyone's favorite gentle giant Logan Stanley. It was almost perfect. We were right there. Just one punch was all I was hoping for from Stanley on Perry. We almost got it. Either way, though, the result is the main thing. 4-2 victory for the Winnipeg Jets in Montreal. Shot clock be damned. The Jets put a little distance between themselves and the Canadian in that chase for home ice come playoff time. So we'll get to that in just a sec. Plus a quick look, a quick look at the trade market heading into Tuesday's deadline. Already some moves happening across the NHL. And then to wrap up the episode, we're branching out into the sweets. Our first dessert interview is here. It's with Joseph Sheban of Sheban Ice Cream, the shop on Osborne now Sheban Cheese as well. He's got an amazing story, just an absolute beauty. Their ice cream follows suit as well, so it's a great chat. Make sure you tune into that coming up a little later in the episode. Now, before we get into jet tabs, quickly here I got to mention this. St. Adolph, if you don't know, they're one of the finalists for Craft Hockeyville this year, one of four finalists across Canada. Voting starts Friday morning. So please, 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 please make sure. Go and vote at crafthockeyville.ca. St. Adolph is trying to get an outdoor rink, which, I mean, in these times, it's even more important than normal. Get the kids outside and exercise, and it's much safer at least. But yeah, voting starts Friday morning. So let's bring that W to Manitoba. Love St. Adolph. Check out the Pioneer Bar as well when you're down there. The wings are out of control good. But let's make sure some really good people here in Manitoba get a much-needed outdoor hockey rink and go to crafthockeyville.ca to help make that happen. Now let's get back to the ice. Winnipeg starts off their five-game road trip without the captain by grabbing the two points on Thursday night. Now that's one of those games where if you just look at the stat sheet or you check your app the next morning and you see the shot clock, you see the total, and it ends up being 38-27 in favor of Montreal, it was actually 29-15 going into the third period before the Jets earned a slight advantage in the final frame. You might be thinking to yourself, same old Jets, outshot, outchanced. This is unsustainable, you can't play this way, but they're finding a way to get it done anyways, right? Like, it kind of fits the same formula that I think a lot of people are accustomed to when they think of how the Jets have found themselves into the top three in the in the North Division this year. But I didn't really see it that way, to be honest. And, I mean, Natural statue actually had the high danger chances in favor of the Winnipeg Jets in this one, expected goals for as well. I thought, especially in the first period, we saw Montreal really rack up Not a whole lot of quality, just kind of throwing the puck on it from everywhere. I mean, this is something they've done for a number of years now. They've always been a a quantity over quality team when it comes to shot selection. The Winnipeg Jets are the exact opposite of that. But I don't know if I'm Connor Hellebuck. Sign me up for games like that every day of the week. I'm going to have great numbers, a ton of saves, a great save percentage. And I'll be able to stop the ones that I could see. And I, I thought he saw pretty much everything all night long. I mean, you don't want to give up 38 shots regardless because you're still spending a decent amount of time in your own end. Too much time in your own end. But it's kind of like the Dos man, right? Like, I don't always give up 38 shots, but when I do, they're not very high quality. So I, I thought that was good, at least from the Jets' perspective. I mean, a hell of a start to the game, obviously. And the big shakeup we saw up front, I mean, it paid dividends early on with a trio that has seen time together earlier this season, but the third line, which, you know, in pretty much any iteration alongside Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton, they found a way to produce, and they didn't waste any time producing it again. Perot, a great play, a great pass to Josh Morrissey, who just unleashes a picture-perfect shot there. I, I love that line, and it it has been, you know, they haven't been together a ton this season because of injury, and, you know, Paul Maurice clearly prefers putting Andrew Kopp beside Adam Lowry, but we've seen Lowry pro Appleton absolutely take it to the opposition. I mean, they've feasted on anyone they've gone up with this season, and i, I it's going to be tough to—I don't know if it's possible to have those three together once Blake Wheeler comes back healthy. It'll be tricky to try and and work that out. Maybe there is a way you could rearrange the lines and make that happen. But man, oh man, they're just so damn good together. And Matthew Perot, we've talked about it a few times here, but he is having a heck of a bounce-back season. He just looks totally revitalized. And I made the point earlier, but I think that a number of these veteran players who have had more time off than they're ever really accustomed to, it's given them a bit of an extra jump into their step. And I think we've seen that with Perot this season. So the third line I thought was great, or at least very good. The fourth line chips in with a goal as well. So your bottom six does everything you could ask them to. And good, I mean, Jansen Harkins, I don't believe, got a point on the play. But at least he popped off the page a couple times. Made an impact in his 8 minutes and 50 seconds of ice time. Unfortunately, it was a bit more of a mixed bag for the top six. I yeah, I don't know if any of them really covered themselves in glory through the first 40 minutes at the very least. And, I mean, Paul Maurice didn't think so either. He threw that into a blender right off the get-go. Only 15 shots. Although, again, I didn't think the Jets were all that bad through 40 minutes, despite the shot clock. But we saw things shaken up. And I got to be honest, when I saw the the second line put together, yeah, sign me up for that. I, I'm 100% okay having a dubois the ealers line as a secondary scoring unit. I mean, it's tough because, again, I want to see Nikolai Ehlers play pretty much 20 minutes, 20-plus minutes a night, and the only way he's going to do that is beside Mark Scheifele. But at the same time, maybe splitting those two up and having them on two separate lines, your your two most potent offensive producers and line drivers on top of that as well, might be most beneficial for the team. And I like the mix of Dubois, Ehlers, Stastny. You get you know, the speed and the playmaking ability of Ehlers, a big body, and and still a guy that can fly in Dubois. And then Stassi is just the jack of all trades. He can do anything, anywhere on the ice. I, I think that's a trio that's worth keeping an eye on as we move forward here. They might get a chance, right? I mean, they might get a chance over these next four games. Blake Wheeler's not coming back till after the road trip. So maybe we see a little bit of chemistry form with those three. Would love to see some production follow as well. I I just I really like the build of that line. I think there's maybe something a little special that could brew in this ongoing effort to try and find Pierre-Luc Dubois and the right mix for line mates to really, really get him going a little bit more as we head closer to the playoffs. Mentioned Blake Wheeler not on the ice for this one, not with the team on the road trip. You know, I don't want to say blessing in disguise because they haven't confirmed it's a concussion. Who knows how long he could potentially be out for. But I guess the silver lining, if Blake Wheeler does come back after the road trip, is the 30, what is he, 33, 34, the elder statesman of the club gets some rest at a time when he probably needs it. So you're going to get a more rejuvenated, refreshed Blake Wheeler coming back in the stretch run of the season. And then you get a chance as well to tinker with and maybe see what works and what doesn't. In situations that you wouldn't have if if Wheeler was still suiting up for the team. The big one was the power play. Wheeler's 5-on-5 five five play this year, we'll call it mixed to be kind and to be positive, right? But it's not what it, what it was, and it's probably never going to get back to that point. But he's still, quite clearly, an elite producer with a man advantage. And I was curious to see how the Jets would rejig their top unit, at least, I mean, they kept the second one completely, completely the same, so not changing anything up with the with the number one man advantage. But it was just the simple move of Mason Appleton going into Blake Wheeler's spot, and it didn't work out so well. The Jets weren't great on the power play; couldn't really generate anything. I don't, I don't even know if they had a chance to to write home about that hit the net at least. I know Kyle Connor had a pretty decent one-time opportunity. They're going to miss Blake Wheeler there, no doubt about it. The one thing that I would like to see change, though, and, and this even goes when everybody's healthy, I, I want to see Mark Shifley shoot the puck more. I want to see a little bit more of the power play run through 55. I, I think he's more than capable of it. I actually think he's got, as, I mean, look, Kyle Connor's the goal scorer on the team, but Mark Shifley's release is up there with the best in the NHL. He just chooses not to shoot as much as, as some of the high-end goal scorers, I, I would just like to see him get a little selfish. And, and maybe, you know, whether it's Morrissey or Connor at the other end, try to find Mark Shifley in that one-time spot. He's got he's got a hell of a release. We just haven't seen him shoot as much this year. He's been in more of a, a deferential role this season with the new-look power play with Wheeler below the goal line there. But maybe we can get a couple more Mark Shifley looks in his happy spot over there on what was formerly known as Line A Island. I mean, he's more than capable of beating a goalie, even with a clear sight from that spot. We've seen him do it a ton of times this season as well. Now, maybe the best part of the game. The two points, yeah, great. The goals, outstanding, all of it awesome. But Logan Stanley was this close to making literally the entire hockey world buy a Logan Stanley jersey. And I was shocked they didn't call a penalty on Corey Perry on the play. I mean, boarding or cross checking, whatever you want to call it, to me, a clear penalty as he paced DeMello from behind into the boards. It was just, it's what you expect out of Corey Perry, right? It's a cheap shot. Guy's vulnerable and he throws a cheap shot out there on him. Logan Stanley, I mean, it's getting tough not to like this guy more and more as each game goes by and then he pulls off a move like that, challenging Corey Perry, sticking up for his defensive partner. I, I loved it. Everybody loved it. It was awesome. The only crappy part of the whole play was Corey Perry. I mean, to be fair, he made the correct decision, right? <laughs> like, it's a business decision, the way DBs don't tackle Derrick Henry in the NFL. But at the same time, it's also a smart life move. <laughs> like, it's survival mode at that point. He's in his mid to late 30s. Like, there's no need to fight a six foot seven behemoth in his early 20s. So, all in all, it was just, it was funny to see... I was a little disappointed, though, that Logan Stanley couldn't get another shot or two in on uh, on Richard Perry there. But that was kind of the, the cherry on top of the two points for the Winnipeg Jets in that one. So that does it for Jets Habs. Part one, part two goes Saturday night in Montreal. A big, big opportunity for Winnipeg here to really push Montreal, I mean, realistically, out of the equation in terms of catching them. At that point, it would just be a three-team race for one of the top three spots in the North Division. I know Montreal still has games in hand, but eight points back with only three in hand, right? It's going to be tough for the Habs, even with that amount of of runway, to, to truly catch the Winnipeg Jets. And now the Jets are only one point back of Edmonton. They hold a game in hand on the Oilers. Quickly, I said before, I want to get to the trade deadline. The Islanders make the first big move getting Paul Mary and Winnipeg's own Travis Zajac. The Zajac family is a bunch of beauties, and Travis is as well, so good for him for getting a chance to maybe go on a potential Stanley Cup run once again, but that's the big move, and once one big move comes, the rest of the dominoes start to fall, we actually saw that too, Columbus resting, David Savard, sorry, I shouldn't say resting, scratching him so he doesn't get injured because it's pretty clear they plan on moving him before Tuesday's deadline. And again, it it seems like it's coming down between Winnipeg. Boston has been hot and heavy. Tampa Bay has been the sneaky sort of under-the-radar team trying to maybe pull a fast one on everyone and grab David Savard out of Columbus as they look to reload for their Stanley Cup repeat. That would suck. But it, it is intriguing that Winnipeg remains in the hunt for David Savard. And we'll see if Chevy pulls the trigger on that. Josh Manson is an interesting name a lot of you guys mentioned to me that manson is someone to look out for because chevy never goes for the the obvious move right it was the same when he grabbed stasny at the deadline a few seasons ago i i would i would just like to know what the trade package going to anaheim would be before i say yes or no on that deal and i hey yeah like wow real insightful comment (laughs) But, but it's, I I just don't know. I don't know how much, like, is Anaheim going way, way, way overboard here? Like, if they're asking for a Haenela or even a Sandberg and a first-round pick, the answer is no. I'm not willing to give that up for Josh Manson. I mean, Sandberg and a first for Lindholm, yeah, I'd be okay with that. I don't think Anaheim is looking to move Hampus Lindholm either. So, I'm kind of up in the air on that one. That one's a wait-and-see for me. But I would be intrigued by it. We'll see, too. I mean mentioning Paul Stastny, we'll see what St. Louis is up to because they've very oddly fallen completely way behind the playoff line in the West Division, way behind Arizona right now and I mean in danger of San Jose passing them as well. And we know Vince Dunn has been on the trade market for a while with St. Louis and and they've got a ton of blue liners there. So maybe the Blues are another secret team to keep an eye out for as Winnipeg looks to potentially I would imagine, I say potentially, as Winnipeg looks to make a move. I'd be shocked at this point if they didn't make at least one trade, especially for a blue liner, before Tuesday's deadline. Super Jack 2, our next episode coming Tuesday, we'll have a big deadline extravaganza plan for you guys, some great guests coming on as well, so make sure you tune in in a couple days for that. But quickly here, trade deadline season up and coming in the NHL, it just passed. In the NBA and basketball season won't be around forever. So you better get on on the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. And you can claim your free shot at millions in total prizes using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball. Super simple. You pick the lineup, stay under the cap. And you see how your team stacks up against the competition. Every dunk, steal, assist, three ball. It all means so much more with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy. So if you did that as well, now's the time to get in on all the Daily Fantasy action. Where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain for you on payday. And with DraftKings, of course, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app right now. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. We mentioned it earlier in the episode. It's time for something sweet. That's right. And I couldn't have picked a better person to help us kick off the dessert portion of the plates part of Skates and Plates. Really excited to have the ice cream, the dairy master himself, Joseph Shabon of Shabon Ice Cream and Shabon Cheese is here to join us. Joseph, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. It's a pleasure being on your show. Well, let's get started. We'll go back to a couple years ago. You have a really awesome, beautiful story about how Shaban got started. Can you just let us know the details about how everything began a few years ago?
1: Yeah, so my wife, uh, she's from Syria, and her family were refugees in Lebanon and scattered all over the Middle East. My parents were actually Lebanese, so some of them were staying at our house in Lebanon. And when we moved to Winnipeg in 2015, I was recruited to open a cheese factory here for someone, and at the same time, the refugee crisis was happening, and I was looking for someone to help me try to bring her family to Canada, and it was it was unbelievable. I didn't know anyone in Winnipeg. By luck, I found someone that said, yeah, the South Osmond community is trying to help Syrian refugees, and they're having a meeting. So I went to that meeting, and I just told them I need help. My wife's family, they're all refugees, and they lost everything. So they said, oh, they saw, it, they saw this was something bigger than they expected. And uh, one of the reverends said, yeah, for each family, we need to raise at least 40000 if we want to bring them. And I was like, well, I guess we're going to have to forget this because this is a lot of money. And I I don't have that, you know. So a week later goes by and someone from the community calls me and says, hey, we want to take a shot at this. We want to try to sponsor two families from your wife to come here. And I didn't believe it. It was like unbelievable. So they said yeah we have to do some uh, fundraising and we got a gofundme page going and then all of a sudden like there's 10,000 20,000 30,000 40,000 we reached like almost 60,000 within wow. a couple weeks and i was like oh my god this is unbelievable like i have never experienced anything like this especially in the, Winnipeg is a new city for for me i was I, Most of my life, I lived in Ontario. And I just asked, like, do you think we can sponsor one more family? Because it's going so great. And they're like, yeah, definitely. (laughs) And uh, so this community raised over 100, almost $140,000 for 13 people to come to Canada. And they're they're unbelievable. I just fell in love with Winnipeg, especially this neighborhood and the community here. So I knew they're coming. And I was like, we need to have some jobs when they come. I know it's gonna be difficult because the language is not too good. So I said, let's let's do a Lebanese restaurant. And typical man, <laughs> he's thinking with his stomach first. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we looked in this neighborhood in uh, South Osborne. And there used to be a banana boat in the location we were in, but it's torn down and they rebuilt it. And it was just not, just a shell. There was still gravel on the ground. So it was just windows and a sh- and, and walls, uh, but nothing inside. And I was like, this would be great for a Lebanese restaurant. What happened, I started asking people that I knew in the community. I asked my friend, Daryl, hey, what do you think of a Lebanese restaurant here? And he's like, Are you out of your mind? Like, what do what you, you know, it's a high risk. <laughs> I, it definitely it is a high risk. And he goes, You know, there used to be an ice cream store there. And when he told me that, I was like, No, I, like, so I, I was born as a second generation cheesemaker and dairy scientist. I'm like, You know, why don't we make ice cream here and make it from scratch? We can have like a really unique concept. And he's like, This sounds really good if you know how to make ice cream. I go, I'm like, yeah, I, like I make, I make Swiss cheeses. I make uh Comembert, I make brie. I make a And I'm like, yeah, I studied how to make ice cream is, is, is not as hard as making cheese because cheese you have to look about nine months down the road. I'm like, yeah, with ice cream, you only have to look like three to five days down the road if there's any problems. So, the capital you're putting in is not as much. <laughs> he, he, he was like, I don't know what you're talking about, but sounds like you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, okay. I was like, hey, why don't, you, why don't you be my partner in this? And he was like, no, no, it's okay. I just want to help you out. So we made the first flavor, and he had a taste, and he's like, yeah, I'll be your partner. He was so <laughs> excited. He was like, I have never tasted anything like this. So I was like, no, you already said no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just joking around. <laughs> so we got everything started in 2017 and my wife's family uh, finally came. It took a while for them to come and we had jobs for them when they came and we opened up on the first day of winter in 2017 and it was like minus 20 that day. And <laughs> I, I'm like, I think I'm going to go bankrupt before I open.
0: <laughs> no, that's slurpy weather in, in Winnipeg and in Manitoba. <laughs> so uh,
1: there was a lot of delays in construction and it was like we were planning to open it up in I would say August 1st and then and then it was delayed. We said, okay, September, then delayed to October. And then I said, <laughs> Listen, let's just make sure we have everything in place. Let's get marketing uh, done really well. And we had some hype like at least two, three months before we opened. <laughs> and that was that was actually a good investment in in getting a marketing director and working for us. And she was like, So you she was like, So you want to advertise of ice cream and you don't even have it out yet <laughs> <laughs> and we're like yeah exactly yeah, yeah you get it <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's what we want <laughs> so we did our our launch and it was a good launch because family friends uh, contractors we invited so it was like really full and then you know everyone leaves and you're like okay that's probably it you know like <laughs> so the next day was like minus 20 as well we opened up at 11 and no one came until I would say 1 o'clock and I was like in my head listen whoever comes now I'm going to give them free ice cream because you're out of your mind to eat ice cream at minus 20 (laughs) so first customer come and we're giving them free ice cream and they're like surprised like okay yeah we'll take it no problem and I was like, this person's so courage. Like, he's, he's, he's very courageous. And all of a sudden, another person came, another person came, and I'm like, hey, man, I think I have to stop giving yeah. free ice
0: cream <laughs> because it just got so busy. So can you just explain your ice cream making process then? So our model is we're getting raw
1: milk from the farm, and we pasteurize everything on site, and the flavor is whatever is being pasteurized. So we're not adding shots, we're not adding flavor. It's whatever the, like if it's caramel, the base is caramel. We're not putting shots of caramel on top of base. No, we, we start at the pasteurization stage. And because of this, our batches are so big. And I had like so much ice cream in our in our freezer I was like, man, this is gonna last at least three months, if not more. Yeah, <laughs> i I was shocked. Within three weeks, it was all sold out. Wow! And it and it was in December, and I was like, thank God we opened in December, like it was a blessing from God. Because if we opened in the summer, we would have been shut down for two weeks after <laughs> we we're open. Because it, for each flavor, it takes about three days, three to four days, depending on which flavor it it is to make and we have about 15 flavors 14 to 15 flavors and it's like if we run out you need another 15 days of production to get back to it so that was really exciting and uh, slowly slowly we got into it and one of our values values is community and giving back to this community was a big thing for us because they're
0: the ones who helped our
1: my wife's family come to Canada, and we're so grateful for this.
0: Now we've seen other restaurants go to this subscription model, but you were the first in the dessert industry to go towards an ice cream subscription model, something I had never seen before. You did it to save the business during the pandemic, and it's something that has been absolutely out of this world awesome. We had a great
1: summer. Our downfall was winter. Like, we do make some money in the winter, but it's no near enough to cover all the winter months. Like, Mm -hmm. we run at a loss. So we were like, okay, by next winter, we got to figure something out. We we either closing or we got to do something. And all of a sudden, the pandemic happened. And we're like... (laughs) <laughs> we we shut our doors in March, and it starts getting busy by April, April, May, June. Then this mm-hmm. is our this is the time we make our money to cover a lot of the loss. And I'm like, oh my goodness, the doors are shut down. Everyone went on uh, the EI assistance. I was looking at my wife. She's my partner, and Daryl's my partner, and where we started strategizing on what to do. And one of them was always cheese. We can always make cheese as our our backfall, you can say. And we're like, we can't make cheese now because it's summertime. And we got to focus on ice cream because we know in, in the summer we make money in ice cream. So there was like, hey, someone told me of a subscription, like an ice cream subscription. His partner and his other business told him that. And it's like, yeah, that is a great idea. I've heard about it with so many other business owners that you can increase your revenue by 20% if you're doing a subscription model on top of what you're doing. But now it's like we got to change the whole entire structure of the company as delivering and subscriptions. And we're like, okay, we got to make it fun. We can't just be a delivery service and you're ordering today and we're delivering to you today because with ice cream is very difficult and we don't have enough revenue to go on because of what's happening in the pandemic. We have no cash flow anymore. So we said, okay, if we do a gift subscription once a month, you get two pints delivered to your house and it's $20 and we, we can build up from this. And you're getting the money at the beginning of every month. So that will help with revenue. At that time, the government was giving out, I want to say 40,000. I believe it was 40,000 at that time for struggling businesses as a loan. And we definitely took that. <laughs> <laughs> and all that money went to software and how to launch this platform. <laughs> it went really quick because we had to find a good subscription model, uh, a good platform. We're using Shopify. And for script- subscriptions, we're using Bold to deduct the money every month from, their, from our customers' accounts. Mm-hmm. And then we had to get a, a delivery service where we can track all of our drivers and warn our customers when we're coming and how much time we need to get to their house. So you can imagine, like, where that money went. And we needed someone to, because it's not my expertise in in e-commerce. It's Now we're in e-commerce. And we hired Kate, and she was very expert in this, and so she got all the proper platforms ready. So when we did launch, we were hoping that we get maybe... 100 to 150 subscribers so we can build from this and do advertising behind it and within the first day we got almost 300 within the first 2 days there was 300 customers that signed up mm-hmm. and we're like thank god we have all the right <sighs> systems in place because yeah. we would have been cr- we would have crashed you know yeah and after within 2 weeks we'll, we'll say within the month we got about almost 1,600 subscribers. And we're like, thank, like, on top of me loving Winnipeg, I don't know how much more I can love it because it's like to the max. It's coming out of my eyes and ears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so grateful for Winnipeggers and Manitobans because truly they saved our company. We went from almost going to go bankrupt to rehiring people that were laid off and giving them... Proper salaries again. So we were so proud of that. We had a great summer. And then the reality hit back in, in about October. October, November hit back that we still have this problem with winter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So that's where your shift to cheese making came
1: in, right? People do consume ice cream, but it's just not enough to sustain your overhead. So at that time, I'm like, okay, let me strategize what to do. I said, listen, let's go back to my knowledge, and I can make cheese. We have the equipment to do that, so let's let's give it a try. So I started off with a firm feta and a soft creamy feta, and both styles are different than what we have here in the market. Uh, these styles are more like Macedonian. Uh, Bulgarian and I, I have to say Lebanese as well because that's what we consume. And I gave some to my friends and they all gave us positive uh, reactions and we had to adjust the salt level because in Lebanon, our salt level is like really high. <laughs> <laughs> we we love salt. We're here in Canada. We have to put lightly salted, you know. And So that was the only adjustment we had to do, which was very easy to adjust. And we launched it in December. I started off with some specialty stores, and that went really well. Uh, More and more people started taking. So I I was like, okay, let's start adding another uh, lime. We have labneh, which is like Greek yogurt, but much thicker, and and more uh, cream inside. And the best way to explain it is higher in fat and higher in protein. Uh, but it's not like cream cheese, which is like 30% fat. It's only 10% fat. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really good uh, source of protein and probiotics. And it's different than what's on the market because it's almost like a cream cheese. And then the second product we launched, or sorry, that was the third, is we had the firm... Feta, then soft Uh, feta, then we had uh, the lebni, and then we said, okay, let's launch ricotta, and that got launched like two weeks ago, and it's going really well with the ricotta. A lot of people are liking it. Um, You can use it in your lasagna, or you can use it in uh, sweets, uh, like cannolis. So, when we saw that, we were like, okay, why don't we launch? uh, Well, the last thing we want to launch for me, I don't want to have so many product lines that we lose focus, is just have five product lines surrounding cheese and then try to market those individually properly. When you have so much, you can't really uh, focus on it. And the last thing to complement the ricotta is mascarpone, which Mm. it's very close to ricotta, but it's a higher cream fat. It's around 30%. So it's all ranging around the same product lines. Even though my passion is, and I grew up with when I was growing up, because my father had a cheese factory, is comembert. It's comembert and Tilsiter and Appenzeller and emmentaler. This is like my true passion, but yeah. when when you when you take your business and it's like, okay, what can generate a quick uh, revenue, where those other cheeses that take around three months to nine—I I, I don't want to say nine months, but nine months is like when it's the best aged, but you you say three to five months aged and it's sold out the door and there's yeah. no way, no way I can wait one day, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so three months is like, I need a bank behind me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why we're, we're starting with the, these five, uh, cheese products first. And hopefully in the future, once we have a, a healthy cash flow, we can start adding, uh, more unique cheeses to our product line. Like well, my, although- passion, my, my passion is Bear and Brie, just because those are the first cheeses I remember eating when I was a little kid.
0: So. I'll, I'll keep an eye on that then. That's something to look forward to. You mentioned earlier there. Yes. Do you remember what the first flavor that your partner tried was? So
1: the first flavor was vanilla. The first flavor was actually the base of the vanilla. And he was like, What am I tasting here? And I'm like, listen, don't I, – I, I sort of regret giving him that because <laughs> because it wasn't ice cream. It was still a base. Like, it wasn't ice cream yet. I'm like, listen, just wait, and I'm going to – forget forget the vanilla. I'm going to bring you a vanilla at the very end. I'm going to make something else. And I, I want to say it was we, – we, we made like – Twelve or thirteen flavors, and then we had a taste sample for for Daryl and and his wife at that time. And they came back, and that's when Daryl was like, "Yeah, I want to be your partner." (laughs) (laughs) And then he's like, "Where's the vanilla?" I go, "Well, I didn't want to give. I don't want to like play with your mind because the first time you thought that was vanilla, but it's not vanilla." (laughs) So, so the vanilla like uh, the one that we made was. If we use real vanilla beans uh, we use uh, honey, and at that time we used cottage cheese. It came out really good like really really good and just recently, just because we're making ricotta and you can replace the cottage cheese with ricotta, it came out actually even better and I'm like since we're making the ricotta already let's let's change it out from the cottage cheese and put our ricotta it's already a sweet taste, you know? And uh, that's really going really well. Like, uh, like, for me, vanilla is very holy to me, you know? Because that's the first thing people think to try is either
0: vanilla or chocolate, right? I don't know if I've ever heard about ricotta being used to make ice cream. Is that common or is that just unique to your place?
1: No, it's unique to our place. Something like uh, with ice cream, there's a lot of water in ice cream, uh, about ninety percent water, so you, you gotta fill up that ninety percent with a protein source uh, it can it can majority majority of the people use skim milk to hold that ice cream. so I'm like, listen, instead of skim milk, we can add other protein sources. so some of our ice cream has the ricotta, some have cream cheese. Some have uh, like the cottage cheese, sour cream, and this is all protein source. And it gives a unique flavor to the ice cream at the same time. Like our strawberry, we add sour cream to the strawberry and it actually enhances the taste of the strawberry because it's a little sour and it complements the strawberries. So it does work, uh, but it's just more expensive. (laughs) i would say a lot more expensive yeah. <laughs> yeah but our whole goal is for someone to have an ice cream experience like they're coming to shaydan to really indulge in ice cream yes our ice cream is like 650 a cone but it's all natural it's all gluten free and we make sure like you're eating ice cream you're not eating air cuz ice cream Majority of the ice cream in the market. So when you put it into the churn, you can achieve over a hundred percent air in your product. And what we're trying to do is, we want to achieve at least fifty percent air. You you always you do need air because if it's there's no air, is so dense that it's like a solid. Yeah. So the air, yeah. So we we always aim for fifty percent air, and that way it's very dense. You're eating a product,
0: not air. You mentioned the the vanilla is near and dear to your heart and vanilla is always going to be a top seller. What are some of your best selling ice creams? So to be honest,
1: vanilla is not our best seller. And people, they don't even try it. The thing is, I wish they tried it. The thing that when our customers come into our store, they see like 14 flavors. They see like salty carl, mojito, mint patty, or uh, Donnie Dark Coco. so. Right oh, Thank you. <laughs> so they're so intrigued of this, all these names. And we named our, I, w- I wish we didn't name it with this, but we named our vanilla Plain Jane. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this is not plain. This is more like a j- exotic Jane. Why are we named it yeah. Plain Jane? <laughs> <laughs> but our top seller, I would say, is Salty Carl. like caramel is we make the caramel sauce from scratch and people when they first come in they're like we don't want something sweet so we tell them all these other flavors and then we tell them about the caramel and they're like no we'll have caramel (laughs) (laughs) and then they try it and they're like this is the best ice cream I've ever ate in my life and I'm like you just told me you don't want something sweet. And <laughs> I started laughing. I was like, no worries. Like it is really good. The caramel, like uh, the Rocky roads, uh, we call it Rocky Ricardo uh, is really top seller. Like our Reese piece. I think what's different about it is like our Reese piece. We use natural peanut butter. Uh, we use, we add honey and chocolate chips. And, It just makes that flavor unbelievable.
0: Well, I got to be honest, Joseph. uh, I'm definitely one of those people, one of those uh, salted caramel fans. Yeah, that's like I'm a donkey for salted caramel. And the second I saw it, I was like, yeah, this is this is my jam. Today we made
1: caramel today and it comes out as a soft serve first. And oh, my goodness, like I'm just eating it. And it was like over (laughs) a jar later. And it's soft, you know? It tastes different soft and it tastes different hard. And both experiences is, on, is really good.
0: Well, if you ever need me to come down and, you know, take care <laughs> of leftover soft serve, just give me a call, okay?
1: Yes, yes, definitely, I will. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not too many places, if any, do have these options, but you have several vegan options right now. Can you just maybe take us through the difference between making your normal ice cream and then your vegan options?
1: Yeah. Um, so when we when we first opened, we're like, okay, we have to have one vegan option or dairy free option. And we're like, okay, let's make a coconut coconut flavor where where we add it's got coconut base. Uh, we add shredded coconuts to it or toasted coconuts, and uh, we make a dairy free fudge sauce. And People that were either vegetarian or vegan or lactose free, they were like, This is unbelievable. Can you make a different flavor? So we would always have like a featured flavor as a dairy free option. And more and more people started asking, like, every third customer was uh, dairy free. They were asking, So we're like, Listen, why don't we just make like six or seven flavors that are always on the board, and we can just rotate it in our shop. So we have right now about seven flavors. We we had to make another caramel one. That was the most recommended one to make for a dairy-free. Uh, we have a cherry chocolate. We have a chocolate. Uh, we have mango, which is like, I
0: love that one. One of the other, I believe it's a a newer addition to your menu, but can you explain what a booza bite is? So uh,
1: (laughs) a lot of people get disappointed because they think there's booze in the ice cream. Booza is actually ice cream in our language, in Arabic. So we wanted to add a smaller size because we have 500 mil, like a pint size. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were asking for something smaller in the jar because the pandemic we didn't want to serve cones at that time so we said okay let's get a smaller size so it's about a, almost a 200 mil size it's about almost it's almost a scoop and a half in that jar so it's like a nice single serve so we're like what do we call it like what do we call these little guys and you have pints and we're like booze a bite <laughs> so we went with booze bite and it's going well, like, uh, it, it does sell, so, and uh, it's a good-to-go option.
0: Well, it's perfect for someone like me, too. My pants are getting a little too tight nowadays, so instead of giving up ice cream, I can just, you know, downgrade in size from the, the pints to the booze bites <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> now, you guys you – know, oh, sorry, go ahead. It, yeah, like,
1: I have this problem, and a lot of people that talk to me say to me, say to me listen, when I eat your jar – I can't stop. I I have to finish the whole pint. So so going with a smaller size, you're forced to stop. Yeah, so that's that's a, it's a positive thing.
0: Uh, I appreciate it. That's that's good. That's perfect. That's perfect for me. Did you open up dining or is it still takeout? I know you guys had kind of a mini, you know, grand reopening last week. Yeah. So this
1: whole time, our store was closed, and we weren't even serving cones to go even. And we're like, hey, let, let's get the proper protocol in place. Uh, let's get people trained. And why not serve ice cream? We'll close the dining, And it just to-go options. So you can come in and grab a cone and enjoy it on the, the river walk behind us, which is really nice. And, yeah, and it's going really well. I didn't think this many people would come out and buy ice cream because of you know the pandemic but you know as long as you're safe uh we have proper things in place that way you you're getting a good ice cream and you're not
0: worried i got two more questions for you here we ask everybody this before they leave but i've never had a dessert or a sweet place on the podcast so this is uncharted territory for me for the Jets game coming up in a, in a couple of days here. Yes. Be the Shabon the version of an ideal game day dessert. If you were going to sit down and watch the hockey game, what would you <laughs> have in front of you from Shabon? Ice cream and then maybe Shabon cheese as well.
1: We want to make a blue flavor. We, we got someone to make us blueberries. That way it can be a Winnipeg Jet flavor. For right now, I would indulge in maybe like a flight, get a couple flavors. Uh, enjoy it with the family I would do like the, I definitely gotta do the Donny dark cocoa caramel mix it's unbelievable Ooh. like this flavor like you have the chocolate on the bottom the caramel on the top, and for the cheese i w- I would recommend uh the soft creamy feta it's really new it's really great on crackers and uh, you can make it into a dip if you like, even the lebne. Uh, but the soft creamy feta, it's its something different than most people think of feta.
0: Awesome. That sounds perfect. And I can't wait to see the Jets concoction that you guys come <laughs> up with coming out soon. That's awesome. Before we let you go, just let our listeners yes. know you guys are open for uh, dining and takeout. But where else can they get any ice cream, any cheese? Just the floor is yours yeah. and let everybody know how they can help you out.
1: So you can get any of our ice cream flavors or cheeses at our store at 390 Osborne. Uh, We're open every day from 12 p.m. to 10 p.m. And you can also get our products either at uh, local specialty stores like uh, Vicks, uh, even Harkwell Cheese are carrying our cheeses, which is awesome. And uh, thank you very much. Uh, Co-op has it. Uh Sobies and Safeway started carrying it, which I was like so thankful for because they helped save our company. They can go either to ShebanIcecream.com or ChebanArtisan.com and go under retail locations and see where
0: they can grab this amazing stuff. Awesome. All right. <laughs> well we'll keep in touch, Joseph, and uh I'll, for I'll, sure. I'll talk to you by for the sure. end of the week, okay? Awesome. Thank you. That's it for the week. A big thanks again to Joseph Shaban for joining me. Just the nicest guy, hey? Make sure you head on down to Osborne for a cone or a bowl. I'm actually going to grab some ice, key, ice key, grab some ice cream in a little bit. It's major diet time for me after the weekend, so I'm going to enjoy one last bite of heaven before harsh reality sets in. I mean, it's just so easy being fat, but I got to do it. Me and the wife, we're a team. We're going to get through this together. But I'm going to grab a salty caramel ice cream on my way out before the uh, before the hard work kicks in. Anyways, besides that, we're back on Tuesday. Like I mentioned, busy, busy episode on tap. Trade deadline day. So any move that Chevy makes or doesn't make, we will dive into that. We got the big one against Montreal on Saturday night before the Jets head into Ottawa for a few Man, things are getting so good. I can't wait for the playoffs. Fast forwarded here. I'm so jacked for the games. Everything's going to matter a little bit more. And, I mean, the chase for home ice is going to be something to see between the Jets, Leafs, and Oilers. So, until Tuesday, I'm Brandon Rewicki. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Peace.